afternoon and welcome to the Young News Podcast. Your host, John Phillips, alongside Sean Clappis via WhatsApp on this Saturday, March 26, 2022, sharing with you my thoughts, our thoughts on current events and culture. And Sean, uh, one of the things that I wanted to focus on again was Russia and Ukraine, and then more specifically, President Putin, and then more specifically, uh, why it is that the average Russian is still okay with President Putin in office. Now, when I say okay with President Putin in office, a lot of moderates were okay with Obama in office. They didn't love Obama. They didn't really care for him, but they were like, okay, whatever. He's fine. He got us through the financial crisis. It kind of, you know, it was okay. Okay. And when I'm looking at the average Russian, a lot of people in the West are like, I just can't believe this. Like, how come they haven't overthrown Putin? Maybe we have to start a a new democratic movement inside of Russia that can remove Putin from power. And it's like, okay, because you're, you're, you don't understand the strategy that he is deploying. The strategy he's deploying is he doesn't try to prove to the Russian people that he's a savior. He's not trying to prove that he is not corrupt or that he's perfectly a righteous human being free of sin. What he's ultimately doing in his strategy is very simple is, look, I know a lot of you don't like me, but guess what? I'm still better than the guy sitting next to me. And the guy sitting next to me, fill in the blank, you can call it NATO, you can call it EU, you can call it Joe Biden, you can call it the United States of America. Bottom line, it's the West, right? And what he has to just pitch to the average Russian is like, look, guys, I know you want me to steer this ship in a better direction, but at least I'm heading in the somewhat right direction. And we know for a fact that the people that are on the opposing side are going to steer us in a total different direction that you won't be able to recognize. And then the guy in the West is like, well, that's that's not true. I mean, or how can that be? Like, how come people in Russia wouldn't want our values? And it's like, well, wait a second. Like, what are your values? So the average Russian, you know, has this interview with this person in the West and says, what are the values that you would like to teach us? Is it those values where you were freezing bank accounts in Canada because they were supporting people who were protesting for more freedom in their country? Uh, how about the values of call, calling to a talk show, radio, uh, talk show host a traitor simply because he's questioning uh, the righteousness and the pureness um, of the government in Ukraine currently with Zelensky at the helm? Um, how about those values that allow a male swimmer to beat the shit out of girls in NCAA tournament for swimming? That Those values? Uh, the values in which you know, you're aborting babies with the heartbeat? Or that at 20 weeks can feel pain? What values are these that you want us to fall in love with that we can really embrace and sacrifice our lives for so that we can rid rid Putin? And so what I'm trying to say, Sean, is like the strategy that Putin has to deploy here is he doesn't have to prove to people that he has the greatest plan for Russia that has ever touched the face of the earth. All he has to say is we have a choice to either follow down a path where we respect the identity of Russia, our past, our culture, our church, our language, our poets, our arts. All these things are a very valuable thing in our culture and we need to preserve them. And I know there's oligarchs and I know there's corruption, but we still believe in these things. We believe in Russia. We take pride in our country. We take pride in our history. And as much as you don't like me, I'm still a better option than option two. And... When they look to option two and they see the values coming out of our society allowing men to compete as a, as swimmers and beat the shit out of girls in NCAA championships, when they see the values of misinformation when it comes down to Snake Island, uh, bio labs taking place all across Ukraine funded by the West, when they hear these stories and these stories are true and eventually the U.S. even has to admit the fact that they're true, they're they're kind of perplexed saying, 
what values are you taking pride in? What values do you want me to fall in love with? And if these are the ones that you want me to fall in love with, um, I might give them a seat at the table, but I'm not going to sacrifice my life over these values so that we can throw Putin in the dumpster. And I think that's ultimately why, again, he continues to push, unfortunately, for West in a more winning direction. And we continue to... Uh, we are continue to be pushed in the losing direction. Your thoughts on this? Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot there to unpack, Johnny. Uh, I think in general, Americans, not not so much the left or the right, but kind of liberal and conservative moderates who are still paying attention to mainstream media and who are still falling for this narrative, they. They tend to, I mean, they have been fed this steady stream of propaganda uh, about Russia saying, oh, yeah, Russia is meddling in our elections and Donald Trump is. And that's all been proven to be bullshit, you know, even though the 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 um, consumers of, of CNN and mainstream media will still probably if you ask about Russian collusion or Russiagate, they'll still think it's true, you know. Um, and so they've they've gotten a steady stream of this for a while. Um, even though Russia really poses no threat, they have a, a, um, an economy that is only slightly bigger than Spain's. You know, we, we're, 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 ta- we're not talking about a global superpower that used to exist like, like the Soviet Union, right? However, they still, you know, the American corporate war machine still has this specter around it. And a lot of leftists understand this, and a lot of people on the right understand this. But I think the moderates and the regular, the normies or what have you, regular liberals, regular conservatives, don't know this. And so they believe the hype. They believe this nonsense. And so, and I'm not, I'm not defending Russia in any way, but Putin very much is a pragmatist. He's a, he's very much a Machiavellian type pragmatist. And I think, I don't know because I don't know a lot of Russians. However, the Russians I do know, they are very, a lot of them have their eyes open about what's going on and about who Putin is. And they kind of shrug their shoulders. You know, it's funny, like I met a girl from St. Petersburg one time. She goes, yes, I'm from Russia, the evil empire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're just kind of laughing about how Russia is so villainized in the West. Yep. And sort of laughing. And it's like, yeah, I mean, Russia really, what are they doing that is making them so villainous? Nothing. They're not doing anything. I mean, not, nothing that we aren't doing or China isn't doing, right? And yet Americans have this idea that, you know, they'll point to Putin being an authoritarian. And then it's like, okay, well, um, just look to your north. Look at a, look at Trudeau. I mean, the guy is doing fu- ridiculous, as you said, freezing bank accounts, you know? I mean, essentially instilling this kind of liberal economic order upon the people of the West that forces them into down one way of thinking otherwise you get canceled you know look at just look at woke ideology this is this is a this is a phenomenon of the west that russia excoriates russia makes fun of and so as you said yeah yeah look at look at who who, look at who's criticizing us right i mean you look at the people who put the uk ukraine flag in their in their twitter profile instagram profile maybe a month ago they had the um the pride flag. Well, I got a I got a message for you. Ukraine isn't so keen on trans rights or on gay rights, right? I mean, and Zelensky, if, if you're talking about people who are authoritarian dictators, he has gone full dictator. He is 
banned the opposing party. He throws political opponents in, in jail. And he was installed in 2014 by the Obama administration, right? I mean, all during the Crimean conflict, we we only heard about that, about how bad Putin was for doing this. We didn't hear about Zelensky being installed, Yushchenko being essentially deposed after being democratically elected. But no, he wasn't pro-West enough. He well, was, yeah, I think it was Yanukovych. It was, towards it, NATO and towards the EU. No, no, no. So yeah. guess what? The Obama administration via the CIA, they basically – and this is all revealed now in a, in, in – a, in, in recordings. Yeah, this guy Zelensky, yeah, he much more aligns with our values. So if if anybody says that, yeah, Ukraine, the Ukraine government is a puppet of the United States, I'm sure the, the Russian, I'm sure uh, Russian TV says that all the time, and they wouldn't be wrong. You know, I mean, like, there's the um, Oliver Stone documentary, Ukraine on Fire, yep, which has yep, since I've been removed it. from YouTube, it's being incredible. scrubbed from the internet. Yep. And and Oliver Stone, right, hardly a Trump supporter, a big-time lefty is saying this stuff. A lot of people are saying this stuff, have been saying this stuff about how, oh, America is essentially using Russia as a proxy ground to basically, you know, try to in- increase the sphere of influence of NATO. And the realist will understand this. But the the person who is consuming regular corporate American media is not getting this. They are simply getting, ooh, basically what Kamala Harris says to people. Uh, Ukraine is a small country. Russia is a big country. Russia invaded a small country. Therefore, that is bad. You know, that's I mean, that's how dumb she is. That's how dumb she thinks her constituency is. And so that's the level of rhetoric we get. Right. That's the level of rhetoric we get, well, and it's. A, I mean, it is. It is at the level of like a third grader's thinking, and it's right. unfortunate that that's what that's what happens. Right. And quickly to clarify, yeah, in 2014 was Yanukovych was ousted by Por, and then he was ousted. Then Poroshenko came in. Then after Poroshenko came, right. I believe Poroshenko, he was. They, they, right, I think okay. they called him the Chocolate Man because I think he made all his money from chocolates. But I'd have to double check that. But yeah, and then <laughs> and then Zelensky comes in, and yeah. obviously when you start hearing the stories about you know jailing political opponents and then shutting down certain media outlets, and then incorporating all major media outlets in Ukraine into one massive unified media outlet. It's like, guys, here's the problem. You are arguing that there is an autocracy that you need to fight across the border in this country called Russia. But you are using the exact same tactics that you are claiming this country is using, and you are claiming right. the mo- you are claiming the moral ground in this fight. And this is, again, why Russia is winning the war. It's not because Russia is stronger than us. It's just because they're going to win the war of attrition because – they're not really trying so hard to prove to the world that they are the most saintly country in the world. What they are trying to do is say, look, there is this place called Ukraine. It's a very important strategic place for the West. They need it. They need it so badly that they are willing to be making deals, cutting deals with corrupt politicians, set up bio labs, do all sorts of threats, install NATO right on our border, all because of this land is so important to them. And it's important to us, too, because it is our border. And that's the major difference. It's like the United States, you have problems going on in the southern border. Do you know that there's illegals coming in from this country in droves and you're not doing anything about it? Yep, that's what's happening on the southern border. Northern border, border you have vaccine mandates, you have passport mandates. 
Uh, you have uh, the freezing of bank accounts because of, as I mentioned before. Yeah, and, and so you have all, there's so plenty of there's plenty of authoritarianism back home. So you know, we have but, we have we have we have a problem on our southern border. We have a problem on our northern border, and here we are focused on a border four thousand miles away. And a lot of people are saying in the United States, this is ridiculous. And I think this is ultimately why it really never gained traction over, with the majority of people in the United States of America. Um, this is where we are today. And again, if you're Putin, this is this is the problem too because I think I want to make it clear there's so much rhetoric coming from me that's almost sounding like, well, it's a pro-Russian stance. And I do support Russia's ability to protect its own national interests. However, I do think that the government obviously can be reformed. And if I was asked by a U.S. expert and I was brought into the room, John, how do you believe you know we should... Uh, you know, go about the strategy of reforming the government in, in Russia. And I would say, well, why don't we first reform our government and then let's focus on reforming their government? Like it would be a simple statement. Why don't we, why don't we stop censoring free speech, which is a, a cornerstone of the United States of America and traditional Western values? Why don't we start respecting Judeo-Christian religious figures and leaders and give them a seat at the table not the head of the table no one wants that theocracy but respect what they have to say about the tradition of the countries in the past and the role that religion played in political life in public life and private life why don't we start cleaning up our house before we start to invade that other house and well can i can i can i answer it. your question yep <laughs> so i think it's as simple as that it's because those things lead to a freer more pluralistic society right having many voices having having freedom of speech many different conversations from from traditional values of judeo-christian values and this is this is a funny thing they don't want that they want this kind of authoritarian postmodernist, secular one world government situation w world economic forum situation Right. Uh, effectively global corporate communism. Right. That's what they want. So uh, so everything you're saying is going against their end goal, John. Right. You know, and, and I'm and I'm and I'm criticizing it. Here's the thing. I'm an atheist, but I understand full well that my values and so many of the values of western civilization come from people like William Blackstone, you know? Like philosophers in in specifically thinking about christianity and judaism right like blackstone's ratio for example it's better that 10 guilty men go free than one innocent man suffer right essentially the basic tenets of you're innocent until proven guilty one of the most important pillars of western thinking comes from this judeo-christian tradition essentially right and yet it is something that the that the left hates it's something that the globalists hate they want you to have no rights whatsoever they want you to and you can see in the way that they enforce their culture war people are guilty by you know as long as enough people jump on top of them and don't like them well guess what then they're guilty right so they're trying to erode all of these basic civil liberties, all of these basic Western principles that come from the Enlightenment, they're trying to erode these things because it means more power for them. It means collectivism, it means more power for them. And so you can see countries that don't want to go along with this and countries that don't want to be connected to the petrodollar, right? We, we look at guys like Gaddafi, we look at guys like Assad, 
this uh, um, look in Iran. And I'm not defending any of these guys at all. But you can see, ah, America likes doesn't mind some dictators, but when there are other dictators who don't want to go along with their globalist agenda, then they're the bad guys. And Russia is a perfect example of this. Russia, right. what, well, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I was going to say the problem is that they won't admit it. So I think – and this is why it's kind of laughable. It's a dark comedy when you have people that are in the United States claiming mm-hmm. that they are – People who fight for good, honest, sincere uh, mm-hmm. values. That they're people who fight for freedom and they want people to live in a democracy. And you know they don't want tyranny. And like everything that you're saying, the crazy thing is they're not admitting that. The global order of things is not admitting the fact that they do not want freedom. Uh, in in uh, They do not want freedom first and safety second. They want... To say that you need to be safe and that means that we need to take away your freedoms in order for you to be safe and that's how we're going to throw a pitch at you. Yeah, but well, but and, but and I would just they say they need is, to ram that down our throats. Right. But so they, they need so they need to lie about it. Well, that's what I was saying. They're not they're they're yeah. they're not admitting their true intentions. And so one of, of the things that you're looking at is that and that's why they're losing. That's why they're losing credibility in Eastern Ukraine and Russia is because the average guy in Eastern Ukraine or in Russia, right? They look at this and they say, okay. You guys are claiming that you have these superior values, but your speech is not being backed up by your action. You claim to support freedom, but we hear that you are now censoring speech. Oh, but we're just censoring hate speech. No, no, no. You're censoring speech. You're censoring something that you were the biggest proud supporter of for the past hundred so plus years. So when these countries start seeing this hypocrisy... These countries in the West claiming that they are morally superior to Russia and at the same time doing things that make them on the same level, if not below, that's the problem. That's where that's where it's incredibly difficult to see refor- reformations being made in Russia. And I'll just say this, like if let's just say hypothetically there's some real serious corruption, th- corrupt things happening in Russia. Let's just say, for example... I'll give you an example. Let's say like there are a couple of cities next to coal plants and the air is awful, Sean. Like it's awful. And like the people are working in terrible conditions, right? And like you want something to be done about this. But the problem is like you don't have – it's hard to gain traction because who is going to be your major supporter? Well, you're going to need to – you're going to need to have the support of this – a political party that kind of has a sort of connection to this party that kind of has a connection to liberalism but the problem is liberalism has such a bad reputation in russia that the minute someone connects the dots they say oh gosh he's running as a republican no absolutely not you know what i mean like i know he might i know i don't like the air that i'm breathing in but gosh i cannot vote for a republican i mean the democrat is at the end of the day going to have my back more than the republican and it's the same problem it's like because you're not you're you're making yourself too much of a target um, for ridicule, and you're you're such a target that the government that's corrupt can just continue to say, "Look, I know your air quality is really bad, but this political party has has connections to liberalism, and liberalism right, right now is making Ukraine a disaster. They're invading Afghanistan. They had bio labs on our borders. 
I know you don't like your air quality, but guess what? You're still going to elect me because you don't trust that liberal who wants to yeah. reform and make clean it's air and clean damn, water. Damned if, damned if you do, damned yeah. if you don't. And that's, that's the problem is that you're, you're hurting those parties that are more connected to liberalism. Maybe you're hurting parties that are more connected to, quote, unquote, a more green future because all they're going to say is, look, everything that person's talking about, dirty water, dirty air – I understand they're making some good points, but look at who their political affiliations are are towards. Yeah, and you yeah. saw the same thing with Trump. You saw the same thing that said, look, I know you don't like me, Joe Biden. I know you have problems with the Democrats and CRT, but guess what? We're not Trump. And if you vote for Trump, you know what I mean? Think about what you're voting for. You know what I mean? You're, mm-hmm. I, it's, it's, it's unfortunate. And I think that's the big issue, and we're not really paying attention to it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this kind of... Um it's either him or me, you know, the, and lesser of two evils, it's super defeatist. I mean, it's one of the main reasons why I'm an anarchist, essentially, because because I believe in voluntary society. You know, it's, that's kind of one of the pitfalls of democracy is is people think democracy is, is all about choice and, oh, it empowers us. And it's like, well, I'm sure I've brought up this metaphor before, but it's like, imagine if you and five friends are all sitting around the table and you go, okay, and one of them says, all right. Let's vote. We're going to either order Chinese food or Italian food tonight, right? And everyone, and everyone's like, oh, you know. The choice is not Chinese food or Italian food. There's a third choice, which is, hey, we can all order what we want, you realize, or make our own food. You know, like, we, you don't have to be boxed into this needing to vote on stuff. You can yeah. all each do your own thing, right? right? And so many people do not even consider that. They don't even think about that because they have been marshaled into this corner where, yep, it's either this guy or this guy. And you got to go the lesser of two evils, right? To a point so much so that people just become cynical. And I mean, a majority of Americans hate the government. Um, I wonder I'd wonder what you what Russians would say. You know, they probably they, a lot of them might be very gung ho on Putin and a lot of them might be like, hey, you know, whatever, at least Things are things are better than you know under Gorbachev or yeah. you know what I mean like. Yeah. Well, I'll give you why. I'll give you a reason why. Well, I was gonna say I'll give you a reason why I think democracy is democracy is overrated. It's because of how we define democracy. I like defining democracy as just. I just define it simply. It's not really political. It's just the power of the people. So if you live in a very democratic society, you could possibly live in a society where only ten percent of the people vote. However, when they install a mask policy, if 90% of the people in the community don't follow the mask policy, guess what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't exist. And so this exactly. is what I'm trying to empower people with. Exactly. with. And, and, and this is kind of my new way of looking at politics. It's just kind of evolved over the past couple of months. It's like, okay, yeah. like say if COVID hits again, right? You don't have to freak out and be like, oh, no, no, there's Democrats that live in our community and they, they're all Democratic leaders and I'm powerless. It's like. You know why you're powerless? Because you've convinced yourself that the government is the one that gives you the choice. No, no, yep. you yep. have. Exactly. You have You have the choice. You have the choice. You actually yes. don't have. Yes. You can live in a society that doesn't vote. But guess what? You can all attend like a town meeting that is not even connected to government. Dude, that's right. what I'm trying to get people to understand. Like you are a stronger, more vibrant society. And this is where I think this is why the parallel universe has to uh, – if I'm going to support any kind of political activity in the future – it's going to involve a parallel universe. And what do I mean by that? I mean, okay, imagine I live in a town. The town's Hartford, okay? Now, the town has, like, a traditional town hall, right? And then the town has a traditional board of ed. They're all funded by the government, right? And it's like, wait a second. Wait a second. We don't need them. The town hall, the board of ed, 
they get 100 people to come out on a night. Okay? I'm going to create my own board of ed. I'm going to create my own town hall. I with social I with social media can get at least three to 500 people a month. You tell me who's going to have more power. The board of ed officials or me? Or not just me, I should say, because that's a little... But the people who started this group. And so, like... This is what people have to wake up and understand. Is you're that trying, you don't you're like me, John. You're well, you don't. Like me. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. You don't need. You don't need someone else to have a structure in place to make a difference. And so again, if I had to, li- if I had to, now let's just take those two communities, right? You want to live in a place in which ninety percent of Americans show up to vote, but, but. You walk around and 90% of the people wear masks when the mask policy comes about. Or would you rather live in a society in which only 10% of the people vote, but only 90% but but 90% of the people uh, wear uh, don't wear masks, don't comply. You see what I'm saying? Right. It's a change. Yeah, yeah. And now I'm going to bring my monarchy back, which you obviously love. With all that said, the reason why, and I'll, I'll you know you'll be able to have your say on this the reason why it's so important to have a have a have a local monarchy is because you need a pool of money you need a pool of laws that bind people together and i do think that you you want parallel universes like the one i just mentioned homeschooling like you don't have to flip out because your kids learning this stuff and you can come up with your own community and build a democratic society yourself but there does need to be a support of like you know, you know, Connecticut kind of had this, Sean, to be honest. They had local monarchies where, like, people took a lot of pride in their town. And they they liked to show up to the ball games. And they liked to show up to the basketball games. And they liked to show up to the fair every fall. And they and there was this, like, look, man, like, every politician was like, oh, man, I got to go to the town fair this year. Oh, I'm going to hear it from the people because I'm not passing the budget because we want to have. You know what I mean? Like, there was this real idea, like, man, like. There were going to be some things that were going to bond that 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 society together. When you stop that, when you don't have some what I call mandatory taxes, mandatory benefits for for people who live inside of your community, I think the problem there becomes everyone goes in their different direction, and then you so don't have me, that. Let, let me jump in there. Let yeah, me jump in there. Yeah. What you're describing is organic communities, John. This is something that used to exist in America. It's something that used to exist before our government became so centralized and so bloated, right? And this is this is closer to the ANCAP civilization that I'm talking about, about anarcho-capitalism, essentially voluntary society. And this is the funny thing. When I talk about anarchism, people say, but no, but shouldn't there be rules and institutions? And I go, no one's stopping you from creating rules and laws and institutions. It's just that there is no now no longer a monopoly of government that controls the violence, controls the economy, controls the money. No, you can do what's called what you just described when you set up parallel universes. That's simply alternative economies. That's all that is. Right. Parallel economies. All, and all that does, What the reason why it's so good is because – when you have autonomous economies and parallel societies right next to each other, guess what? The ones that are doing a better job at human uh, flourishing, they're going to get more people in there. And the ones that are doing bad at human flourishing, they're going to suffer and they're going to have to feel those consequences and say, oh, geez, we're not doing something – we're not doing things well. 
as opposed to today where, it, for example, if you have schools that are failing in America, they just get an injection of cash, for, of government cash, and they continue to do the same shit that, they're, that makes them fail, right? As opposed to saying, oh, God, uh, you know, a company, for example, that is losing money hand over fist. A lot of times when these companies go woke, uh, you, you heard uh, go woke, go broke. Mm-hmm. Um, get woke, go broke, right? Yep. Uh, I'll, I'll give you a little story. Like um, Harry's Razors, right? They were a big sponsor of the Daily Wire, right? Ben Shapiro, uh, Michael Knowles, all this uh, conservative news outlet, right? And then they went woke and they said, uh, what was it? They were like, oh, we're not going to support hate speech because apparently this Well, the biggest, yeah, the biggest thing um, is they were, they were, they, they supported, they were a sponsor of Ben Shapiro. Then they, Right. They remove their sponsorship because they don't want to support hate speech. And then Shapiro says, right. okay, fine. We're going to create another razor to rival you guys. Exactly. Jeremy, Jeremy's, Jeremy's razors. razors. Yeah, exactly. And they did and they did gangbusters. And apparently Harry's razors, I mean, they were getting a lot of customers from Daily Wire. So they kind of nuked themselves. And this is the beauty of free market capitalism is that, listen, if they want to – like if they want to sit in their in their self uh, self proclaimed moral superiority and go hungry, that's perfectly within their right. But guess what? The people can say, well, you know what? I don't want to support Gillette because of their stupid woke stuff that hates men. I don't want to support Harry's razors. I'm gonna go with Mitchum or or, or Jeremy's razors. You know, there's so many other options that you can go to, and that's the beauty of this system, right? So societies can also work that way. Societies absolutely can work that way. And what you're just de- describing is essentially that, right? Well, and not only that, though, is that even if you have an authoritarian government that seems to be dictating a lot of parts that are going on in society, it's not the end of the road. I think some people get discouraged for some ridiculous reason, like, I'm powerless. I don't have the choice. Yes, yeah. you do. You're just yeah. – you're fat and lazy. That's why you don't want to move. <laughs> Trust me. Like, and, and it's it, – it really to, – to, to kind of go off that point also – I mean, when people say, oh, you know, I couldn't do that, I can't do that, it's like, I heard Tim Pool talking about this the other day, and it really, really stuck with me. When he was saying, like, uh, they, they were like, oh, you know, I'd love to travel, I'd love to do, uh, you know, independent journalism, and Tim goes, well, go do it. And the, and the guy goes, well, I can't afford it. And Tim goes, you you, you have a $2,000 a month apartment in Brooklyn, like, get rid of your apartment and sleep on couches. And then they're like, well... No, but I don't want to do that. I'm entitled to my apartment. And Tim goes, well, you obviously value your apartment more than your dream. And the person got mad. And they were like, whoa, what? And it's like, Tim is absolutely 100% right. People who say they can't do something value their current situation and their current comfort level more so than the change that they could be making to make themselves more happy. Correct. Correct. You know? You hit it on the head. yeah, yeah, and I've I've thought about that a lot. You know, I've thought about that a lot because people they'll get bitter, yeah, about where they are in life, right? And and this is you know this has a lot to do with where we are in our current state right now. So many people are afraid to kind of stand up and stand up for their their freedom of speech, the the, the freedom of speech of others, the rights for people not to have masks strapped onto their right. faces. It, it we could be we could have been done with this before it started. Right. This entire COVID regime, this entire narrative, it could have been over before it started. However, people were too afraid to stand up and speak out because of what they were afraid what losing their cushy job, right. getting called a racist on Twitter. Oh, right. boo hoo! Right? You know, it's it's like we have to be willing to fight a little bit. 
right. for our freedoms. Otherwise, we're literally just going to we're just going to live in slavery. Like right. things and are going to devolve. Our economic and financial system is going to devolve to a point where we are economic slaves. Right. And our moral superiority, moral superiority in the world will fall apart. And the average Russian, sure. going back to the first comment, will say, uh, no, sure. thank No, thank you. I will keep my own corrupt government and my own corrupt leader. And you yeah, guys, you yeah. guys can have fun with your neoliberal values. So, hey, Sean, that's yep, all the yep. time for tonight. Good show. Uh, we'll be back, though. We'll be back certainly soon. Yes. Hopefully sometime earlier next week. We got some time on our hands. We'll be able to make it happen.